Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly. We launched a new show on the network called the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Coming from the guys who brought you the Fantasy Football Podcast, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Korolbeck will guide you through the fantasy football season, providing analysis on big picture conversations like weekly matchups, trades, and daily fantasy. The show will run every Monday and Wednesday throughout the rest of the summer, and we'll be helping you through the regular season as well. So follow and listen to the first episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast out now for free on Spotify. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. With me, David, and Kaz. He's here all the time. How you doing, man? I'm back, man. I feel good. I feel good. I, I get to. I feel like I get to save my wrestling rantings for the week until I get to talk to you now. So it's, it's cathartic. <laughs> it's good. It is cathartic. It's good to sit back and talk wrestling with your friends, especially when you are the uh, demo leader in all wrestling podcasts. Oh yeah, uh, this is because you are. know if you're. I guess if you're a 12 year old or a, a 64 year old, this is not the pod <laughs> for you. This is you're no. not in the demo. um sorry we weren't here last week i was moving i um you can check out my other my home ownership podcast on the ringer podcast network but um uh the horror show at extreme rules uh happened and uh that that happened (laughs) i saw on the i was i was watching something on the network or on youtube or something and they were calling it the horror show at wwe extreme rules which is like even one step further than what we've been saying um Uh, and I, I, I kept. I was just totally stuck on the fact that it should be the WWE horror show at Extreme Rules, and like. But anyway, that's none of that matters. Um, <laughs> the last time we spoke, we were excited. Ex- I, I mean, palpably excited about whether about who between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio was going to lose an eye in front of all of us on television. Yeah, uh, they ended up not going the CGI route, and uh, instead. Kind of just replayed the angle from yeah. You know, this whole thing took place. That. I was pretty pissed about that. Like I don't know. This just kind of you know speaks to my general bloodlust uh, as an American, I guess, of wanting to see like gore and all this garbage. Which you know, obviously, I should have expected that that wasn't going to happen. But for some strange reason, like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's it. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, I saw like there was a little angle where you could kind of sort of see a uh, see a, a a semblance of an eyeball outside of the mask. And I guess I popped more for the for the Seth Rollins uh, cream of mushroom soup gag with <laughs> throwing up <laughs> afterwards. Like that was that was more my jam than you know seeing the eyeball pop out in, in wonderful CGI or in real life. But uh, that was what 
that that was that's what satisfied my my lust for disgusting things at the horror show. If so Seth I was Ron, very unsatisfied. If Ron's is really smart, he would have just had one of his dudes come into the ring with a bag full of fake bloody eyeballs, and then just like <laughs> just confuse the ref and tried to steal the win. Or at least somebody he should. He should have went full uh, uh, triple. No, I'm sorry, the Rock versus Mankind. Yeah, that, exactly. uh, I quit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just stick it in. I don't. I was a little bit kayfabe. Uh, let down by the fact that like they both came to the ring for a match where they had to pull out theoretically remove someone's eye and they neither of them had a plan beyond poke them poke their head against the ring steps uh, like that was I, the finish and and, I, and I'm I'm well aware now that like the curb stomp is a you know eyeball popping type of move right so <laughs> you know with, with with most finishing moves I guess like you kind of got to work that body part until like you get to that last move so like i want to see more i guess we're probably going to see more like seth rollins eye related offense <laughs> to kind of <laughs> keep this thing going and just knowing like hey if i go really hard and then like put your eye at the side of these stairs i could i could poke your eye out but it was it was just it was a really good match with just a bizarre ending man like up until that point if we didn't have like the the cartoonishness of what how exactly are we gonna see this thing come out of his eye and Samoa Joe with the call of the century <laughs> as it's <laughs> happening where he gotta look up and he's like, it's out, it's out. <laughs> another another great part of that, uh, but it was, it was great, weird, man. It was weird. Great I, moments I and like understatement. Well, I, th- I mean, listen, we I feel like we have this conversation or some version of it every year uh, at Extreme Rules time, but uh, I do want to talk to you about this specifically because it seems like these stipulation matches, there's just a, there's a limit to what they can accomplish. I mean, I guess I, you know, outside of hell in a cell and obviously even that's lost some of its luster. There's not a lot of matches where you just hear this stipulation and you're just like, hell yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I could see why you're going for like the shock and awe of like, what's going to happen. Cause I think what initially got us so hype about, the first Hell in a Cell matches or the first tables matches, or the first TLC matches, like you mentioned about these stipulations, is around the first, second or third time you watch it, you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? How's that? How do you end the match? Like, what's what's a first blood match? Like, how do you get to that? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's something that you haven't mm-hmm. really seen before or haven't seen often. So I can understand the intrigue of going that route. But you're right, man. Like, now we, we've seen so many things done in the name of extreme wrestling, uh, it's it's kind of weird to get people to say, it's kind of hard, I'd rather, to get people to say, well, what's going to happen? How's that, how's that going to finish? How's that going to end? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's strange, man. Like, I don't know. What, how, do you, how, do you, how do you keep trying to up the ante for stipulation matches when it, that's supposed to be different from the, the rest of the year that is close to, I don't know, like... A beheading match. When do we get that? Like we have such a weird thirst to to always be kind of surprised and or and sort of let down by by what they can pull up. Well, I think they'll save the beheading match for their next Saudi Arabia show. But setting all inappropriate <laughs> oh jokes God. aside, the uh, I I think that I mean obviously a, a match you know outside of deathmatch wrestling or like the CZW style hardcore wrestling. I mean the stipulations. Mm really only work if there's a good story told. And they've told some good stories of late. 
but there's mm. but even the story it's weird the stories are sort of in the shadow of the matches i mean of the of the stipulations um and maybe it's because you know people aren't paying as close of attention or whatever but like i was watching the 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 the, the the championship match McIntyre versus Ziggler and I was thinking right. I mean it was a good match and really I like and if you go back and just watch all the stuff that they've done over the last month sort of just like in a block it's good it's really it's it's well done stuff but yeah. I just kept thinking man and I know Pritchard's writing a lot of this stuff and he is you know it came up from southern wrestling and it's, and it's just like that stipulation they're like I can do anything and you have to play by the rules is like such an old mm-hmm. southern wrestling gimmick and and if you mm-hmm. and if and if you had built to that and that had been whatever Jerry Lawler versus a moon dog or something you would have been just like this is the coolest like it would have felt like it meant so much you know and uh you you have to want your baby face like it's just it just turns up the it just turns up the volume on the underdog babyface. I think the weird thing about right. this match is that the babyface wasn't really the underdog. The champion was <laughs> was certainly not the underdog in this match, and he came out and just won with his finisher and whatever. But I don't know. I I just think that I could understand the psychology behind that though, right? Like I could see why you got you've built Drew McIntyre up so well as this dude who is you know uh, I guess the story they were telling you know which which I kind of enjoyed was. If you're following storyline wise, I brought you back from the depths of being released, right? Like once you came to NXT, mm-hmm. you were my tag team partner. And just optically, you don't look at Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler as an even matchup, just the way you've built this guy. Like Dolph Ziggler is like a perennial loser. And, you know, I mean, Drew McIntyre has been built as this Scottish like killing machine, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the best way to do, I mean, I understand why they, they made that match. And, you know, I have I knew I had fun with it, man. Like I think Drew McIntyre's reign so far has been like kind of a little bit underrated, you know? Like I, yeah. I feel like just because of everything that's been going on, I don't think people are really gonna give Drew his due as as kind of like a world champion because he's been putting on some really good pay-per-view matches. Like, even if the whole pay-per-view hasn't been like up to snuff, which you know, to me, Extreme Rules was kind of fell into that bucket, all the Drew matches have been really, really good. And, you know, even when you you look at, okay, they're doing Drew versus Dolph in their pay-per-view. Like, obviously, they're not going to pull the trigger on Dolph Ziggler now. You know what I mean? Like, they made mm-hmm. it. They, they came up with a good way to keep me entertained. So, yeah. like, the old school, like, Southern tropes, like, they're old school because they work. Like, you know. Yeah. They no, no, make- that's true. I just wish, I, I mean, I just, I watched it and I was just like, this just feels like, it. Just, I just could feel the absence of, of tension of like i yeah. was not like there, there there still didn't seem to be i don't know i mean i guess i guess Dolph could have won but without that tension <laughs> of who's gonna win and without like you know and these guys have a great backstory they did a really good job building it up i just i, I think it's just you this match should be like the end of a feud that's gone months and had several pay-per-view matches or whatever already you know it, this has to the, the payoff just could never reach what the sort of stipulations of the match entailed, I guess. Right. But anyway, it was a really good match. You're right about Drew. I mean, he's really good. And you're right about the visual disparity. Every time I see McIntyre, I feel like he's somehow put on like 10 more pounds of muscle and his like veins are like denser. He's and I don't know, like it's, it's, like, it's really crazy. Yeah. That dude's um, just a man, bro. Like I don't, it's, you, you look at him and he looks like, he looks like a Vince McMahon wet dream. It's like, yep, this is the guy. Like when you called this dude like the the future and like the chosen one all those years ago, I'm like, this is the guy you probably had in your head. Now, was he that then? 
Probably not. He looks so skinny when you watch those old tapes, man. Yeah, like he just looks like, I mean, you, you forget how like deceptively tall he is. I'm mm-hmm. looking at like all those old things, but now you see him more filled out with the beard and he's just like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a lot of dude right there. Like he, I could see him being the, the top guy for a long time. So, I mean, if there's, if there's anybody that's, you know, this whole pandemic crowd era of wrestling has done a disservice to, it's him because he's been doing like really good work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get, I mean, I think if they were going to pull a trigger, if, I mean, if, if they were really down on him for the ratings or whatever, I think we would have seen them try some other stuff by now, but maybe not, maybe not. Maybe they'll just let him, let him keep the belt until the moment they get back in arenas and then blame him at that moment and pretend everything's okay. <laughs> um, but who knows when we're going to be back in arenas. I saw, I got a press release today from WWE about NXT where they, it was, it was the, it was like the same, it was the press release format where they announced where they're going to be holding a pay-per-view. They're like, it's going to be in Boston, but they were just like, it's going to be on Thursday. Like, <laughs> like they didn't, <laughs> they were just like, we're going to have this thing at the, at the performance center as we always do. And we're just letting you know, it's going to happen. There's going to be a North American title match tourney or whatever, or they're going to do it. And, um, yeah, it's it's just in, in the air. We're not touring around, you know. It's just just a different world, man. And so uh, you're right. Drew's worrying. been good. Uh, well, no, I mean, and I think because uh, you know, the TV contracts are locked in for so long that I just don't. I mean, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I think the big worry, and many people have said this, the big worry is is that no, but all the people that have drifted away don't come back. And, you know, right. I've been that person in my life at times. I'm sure you have too. everybody listening to this, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, you know, you go off to college and you don't have a TV for six months or something, you know, and like, well, I guess people listening now, the kids today don't can't really sympathize or empathize with that feeling. But, you know, they're like, we've had you and I have probably both had p- periods of our life where like we didn't have cable, you know, we didn't right. have access to shit. Um, right. And no, and obviously no phones that we could watch it on. But, you know, you drift away and you and, and you don't come back. And that's that's got to be the worry. I saw Meltzer was out this week saying, you know, all the problems are Vince. It's like, you know, all the creative problems are because of Vince. And it's not, it wasn't news. The way that he said it sort of got some people's attention. It wasn't the first time he said it. And I don't even remember why specifically he was talking about it. But um, I guess the, my answer is the, the TV contracts are so long and they're so yeah. kind of set. And even And even the bad ratings, I think, are not going to be you know as long as they can hold steady at a little bit higher than they're at now i think that the networks are going to be like tentatively okay not that they can really do that much but you know they still got to recover by the end of the contract right and probably mm-hmm. by a couple years before the contract's up when they start renegotiating or looking like that i mean imagine if this was the case and they were in the negotiation window and both fox and usa were just like yeah we'll pass <laughs> yeah they're just like go get another offer and we'll maybe we'll match it yeah, like, you know? I mean, uh, the one thing I'm looking at, and uh, you know, and, and I'm not a, a, a ratings nut, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just, you know, watch what I like to watch. I've noticed that even though, like, a lot of these shows have been some of the lowest rated shows that they've had, you know, in their history, they're still cracking, like, top eight, top ten, top mm-hmm. seven most watched, you know, cable programs. And, you know, j- just wrestling in general, not even just talking about WWE, like, wrestling in general there's a, a strong possibility that a lot of people are just kind of getting turned off. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's weird to kind of like switch gears like this, but you, you watch everything that's kind of going on with like, you know, major league baseball and the NBA bubble and like 
ways that like the pandemic has worked and the ways that it hasn't worked. And, you know, there's a strong possibility, like you said, that fans just kind of get turned off by this type of stuff. And, you know, they, they just don't end up really coming back. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 been a, it's been a weird transition. Like, I feel like, you know, Royal Rumble feels like so long ago. And that was just this year. And they packed in 70,000 people. And it was a massive show. And Edge came back. And then they had, what was AW, uh, the pay-per-view they had where Moxley went over and, yeah. and, and won the uh, title. Who was, was that? Was it Double or Nothing? Revolution? revolution. I think it was Revolution. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, those, those those seemed like so long ago that, like, I almost kind of forget that, you know, if you're not people like us who are, you know, so into wrestling or, or, or the diehards, like, you're not going to lose the diehards. Like, people who create these TV shows and, and, and you know, if you hate WWE, if you hate AEW, if you love it, hate it, whatever – like you're not gonna lose those those type of fans. It's the mainstream fans that get you those Fox deals. It's the mainstream fans yeah. that get you those USA deals and TNT deals. And if you're not getting those people back when things get back to normal, or you're not starting to trend upward, it's like that could be kind of troubling for wrestling everywhere. And part of the problem, I think, even with the diehard fans, is yeah. that wrestling wrestling fandom is about compulsion as much as anything else, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they brag about being the longest running you know, episodic TV channel, TV show, whatever, ever. Uh, I mean, it's 52 weeks a year, or even if you take out, you know, one or two for, uh, you know, d- d- troops shows or whatever. I mean, it's basically right. 50, 50, it's basically 52 weeks a year, live every Monday night or Friday night. And, you know, a lot of people watch it because that's what you watch. And then all of yeah. a sudden, you, have, you if you if you drift away at all, then it becomes this huge sort of chasm in, in your habits. And that's... A, that's what they depend on, you know? I mean, they depend on people who will pay 10 bucks a month for the network. You know, they, it's just mm-hmm. people who just don't even think about it. But you're right. They need to, they've really not done anything to attract more casual fans or more kind of mainstream fans, like you said, or whatever, since they started the Fox thing. And a lot of that's pandemic related, but, you know, it's tough. I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're not making uh new stars you know they're not there since becky lynch it's not like that was a a million years ago but and you know that she she exploded and then she's gone yeah it feels like everybody's just kind of like holding the fort you know what i mean like i haven't really seen a lot of like i mean outside of drew like i haven't seen a whole lot of like breakout guys or have people having breakout years where they're making somebody right now and you know give aw his credit their credit they're kind of doing that you know what I mean? Like they're getting me well, interested in, in in a lot of people that I probably wouldn't have been interested in, you know, had they been in either WWE or anywhere else. You know, granted, there, there's been a lot of new faces and there's been a lot of, um, you know, new opportunities for people. But like just the whole just this entire like world that we're living in and the way that we're even like trying to enjoy wrestling and look at it in a, in a sort of scope that. It's sort of normal that we usually talk about it and cover it in. It's hard to like even test who's a real star now. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. hard to even know who's going to be one of those people that cross over. I mean, obviously, like Sasha and Bailey are on a are on a run right now, and it's not like they're brand new people. You know what I'm saying? Like we we know Sasha Banks, we know Bailey. Like they're already kind That's of true. Like big deals. You know what I'm saying? And, and they they kind of seem like they're holding the fort for like. Sorry to say, for the Beckys of the world, the Ronda Rouseys of the world, like the people who made, you know, even 
to a lesser extent, like the Bella Twins, you know what I mean? Like, say what you want about their wrestling ability or, or any, any of those ladies' wrestling ability. Those are people that made the women's division mainstream. Those are the people that had the front pages of magazine covers when they're talking about the women's revolution. Like, those are people that were the crossover stars. And it's, 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 it's hard to see or even give those people that we think to be crossover stars a litmus test right now because we're living in a whole crazy world. Like, how do you even know? Like, who, who, go, who goes and does SNL on, on one weekend? Who goes and does, like, these, these, these you know, does uh, NFL on Fox or something like that? Like, who does these to prove, like, oh, I didn't know that many people knew who Becky Lynch was. I didn't know that many people watched Total Bellas or Total Divas. Like, it's a, it's a big thing. It's, it's difficult to make that litmus test happen, you know? Yeah, I think that's, like, really, really interesting because we talked, I don't know, last week, the week before about what, re- I mean, wrestling without audiences and everything else. I mean, I say this all the time, but, you know, Triple H, well, and Triple H says it all the time. But they, you know, they have a, a a test audience every single, you know, every single night or every single night that they're out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have they have two live TV shows, and when they're on the road, you know, two or three more shows a week, with, and and they they can figure out what's working and not and, and or not and adjust on the fly based on live audience reactions, and they don't have that. Um, I think there's sometimes where you'd prefer them to not listen to the audience as much, but I think more often than not, and and there's probably a lot more times where they're not listening to the audience deliberately or whatever. But I think right. that they do have that, right? And they don't have that right now. You don't really know how something's popping, you know? You don't know if... I mean, I think what we, we know for sure that, like, you mentioned you mentioned, um, uh, Sasha and Bailey. Right. We know for sure that they have upped their game like crazy, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, can, we can look at them and say they are better now than they were six months ago. And they're probably better now than they've been at any point in their career. Yeah. one thousand. Cer- certainly for Bailey. Yes. And, and, but, but we don't, what we don't know is would the crowd just be like throwing trash at them in a good way. <laughs> if they were out there in front of a live audience, you know, you just, right. you, you, you don't know. And those things we sort of take for granted that they're sort of, that they're like knowable. They're not knowable right now, but to, to, to zoom out a little bit, uh, we're talking about making stars and the other people that we talked about before we started recording today that we wanted to mention uh, are some stars in the making of different varieties. Now we're going to do a little stock watch. We did it a couple weeks ago. I want to do a stock watch in a minute where we're going to compare two. uh, you know, we're we're taking a, we're taking a wrestler from each company and and maybe in the future we'll do from different shows or whatever, but people, you can kind of see a parallel, you know, there's some parallels, right? Mm-hmm. So Keith Lee and Orange Cassidy, they both just had probably the matches of their careers or spotlight wise. And uh, I think Keith Lee's, uh, you know, had a lot more spotlight since then. Um, right. But I want to talk about Brian Cage from AEW and I want to talk about Karrion Cross from NXT because they're both kind of at very similar points of their, you know, national television careers and uh, and have a lot in common. But before we get to them talking about making stars, I want to talk about... Uh, Big E, uh, you want to talk about particularly yeah. because, you know, we have a lot of ways that tag teams break up and guys go on singles runs. There's like tossing people through plate glass windows, you know, there's like, you know, there's, there's all the breakup versions, um, you know, and sometimes somebody just gets a singles run or whatever. I don't, I'm sure there's a million examples, but I can't even, I can't think of the example of when 
somebody's partner was just like, all right, you go be a singles wrestler now. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of slaps him on <laughs> yeah, the back and sends him out the door. I um, feel like the only, there's only one other one that I could think of. It was Ryback. Baxel. Ryback <laughs> and Curtis Axel. And don't ask how I remember this. This is like a random episode, I think, of main events where I think Ryback just ran into Curtis Axel. He's like, and, and I think Ryback was like this mega heel at this point. And Curtis Axel was just like, you know, a guy on main event. And they both just kind of acknowledge each other. It's like, oh, you look good. It's like, oh, you look good too. It's like, oh man, we can get times. <laughs> okay. And it was very like heartwarming. And I was like, wow, I wish more tag teams did this. It's so, fantastic. It was great. If anybody can find it on YouTube, look it up and they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So Biggie is a I mean, I think even before Kofi's run, uh and certainly since Kofi's run, there've been a lot of people who have fantasy booked or otherwise, you know, been proponents of a Big E singles push, right? I mean, certainly when he came out of NXT, he was NXT champion. He he looked like kind of a next big thing. Right. Uh, he's a big is an understatement. Obviously, it's in his name. He's he's just a huge guy. I remember I was talking to Chris Hero, maybe the first time he got released from WWE, somewhere around that yeah. period of time. And he was talking about all the different, all the talent that they had in NXT at that point. And it was a little bit of an, a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a secret at that point. I mean, it wasn't NXT wasn't as mainstream right, as it is now. Right, right. And he was just like, dude, this Big E guy is a he 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 looks like an action figure he used to play with, except like more impressive somehow. But he can just go. He can do everything. He's like, if he was if he was doing if he was out there with me. Instead of if he wasn't here and instead he was like working PWG shows, like he would be the top guy and on the indies. He's just really that good. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, he's just like it's he's had some singles moments. He's had some looks. He's had a bunch of different periods in, in his career. He was with her Dolph Ziggler, who we were just talking about during right, right. Yeah, uh, his continental championship run. Yeah, oh couple, yeah, a couple of those. Yeah, but since he's been with the New Day, you know, I mean, it's been he's been part of the New Day. Um, and I that that's a good place. I mean, anybody would yeah. probably choose to be there, but now, uh, we know woods is hurt and now Kofi's got a little injury too. So it's just a very like, you know, Oh, oh and also we should say that they lost their tag team titles to and Cesaro and Nakamura right. at the, at the pay-per-view. Um, and I love Cesaro and Nakamura. I mean, they can, they, they could, uh, they could benefit a great deal from carrying those titles around. Yeah, those, um, are, those are like the the indie favorite. Like, I don't, I don't want to say indie favorites, but those are like the, the the darlings of all the pure wrestling fans out there. Mm -hmm. Like you can't get more of a a happier tag team if that's your if that's your jam than Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. They're so good, and the more time they spend together, I think. I mean, as we've seen with Cesaro's other teams, like the better. Then you know, there's so much upside, but mm -hmm. um, but. So the new days, you know, everybody's hurt now except for Biggie, and Biggie's going to be a singles wrestler. What, 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 what were your thoughts when you realized this was going down? I was so happy. I was so happy, and no, every, it's no secret. I'm, I'm how close I am with those guys, and 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 how much we we can't stay in contact. Um, I texted them immediately, and I don't ever ask about like you know what's what's going on, what's going to happen and none of that stuff. I just, I text them as a fan because at the end of the day, I'm still a fan of this stuff and I don't want it to be spoiled for me. But I just text them like, oh, word, like with the eyeballs <laughs> and like question marks <laughs> and, and uh, exclamation points. And, uh, you know, it's looking like that's that's the way they're rolling with it, man. And they did it super classy. Um, 
Kofi told him to put his meat on his meat, which I probably would have chose different <laughs> words to express that how much he wanted a hug, but that's them and it, it fit. And, you know, it's, it makes storyline sense, right? Like it, it, like everybody talks about, you know, well, when are they going to break the new day up? When are they going to break the new day up? When are they going to break the new day up? Like they've been solid together for what? Almost seven years now. Yeah, it's been a long time like that. And They've never even shown glimpses of why they would need to break up. Like the shield, there was always cracks in it. There was always like, who's the, the guy? Like mm-hmm. the NWO, there's always the power struggle. And DX, there was, you know, um, Triple H could be the next, you know, the, the corporation type of thing. Like there was always a reason, storyline wise, it would make sense for somebody to start going solo. And I feel like Kofi's world title run just solidified how much it makes sense for them to never break up and just just to be like you know what it's your time bro like there doesn't need to be a whole big long like slow breakup there doesn't need to be a whole long thing and they and they realize that there's power in the new day as a collective Mm -hmm. than there would ever be them as as solo acts as new people you know what i'm saying like that i feel like there's once you get to act that hot and that productive, like it's 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 black Hulkamania, bro. Like the new day is like just a merchandise selling machine and yes. cereals and toys, and it's like, why would you want to break that up? But I understand the the reasons why we'd want to is to see guys that are that good, like Big E, who you know has proven his worth as a singles guy. You know, could be a world champion. He's in the lineage of like. If you're going to elevate NXT to be the, the equal third brand, he's already in the lineage of champions of that brand. So it only makes sense to see, like, okay, what can this guy do on his own? But we're not going to do it in the cheesy, let's break up, let's be jealous, let's not. They've always been, like, ride or die, friends till the end, power of positivity, everything's all good. Like, mm-hmm. that is such an important storyline and and and. And something that I wish if I was a kid, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was a young black kid that just getting into pro wrestling and I saw them and I saw like just being, you know, I don't want to gas it up as like them being like these role models. But like there's little things you could take from, you know, the whole story of the New Day. Like, yo, like it's OK to root for your boy. It's OK to be like on the sideline and just like, you know knowing that yo, it could be your time and not have that jealousy in your heart, not have that hate in your heart. Like that's such a dope storyline to me. And just the support that they all have for each other for as much as they've done together as a collective is just, it's tight, man. So it's with Biggie going solo, I really hope that, you know, <laughs> God bless Braun Strowman, dude, but it's not hitting for me. <laughs> it just, it just hasn't been hitting for me as a, as a universal champion. Um, I still think he's awesome. I still think he's a guy who needs a crowd also because he's such a, He's such an attraction, mm-hmm. and th- if there's nothing to attract, then it's what do you what do you do? You know what I'm saying? But I feel like if it's not the fiend, which it, it could be eventually, like I would love to see Biggie be the first Black Universal Champion. Yeah. Like I think you know that would solidify the New Day as one of the greatest groups of all well, time. Well, there you go. There you go. So, w- wait, first of all, was it was it Strowman who assaulted you backstage on TV? Who, who? Yes, it was. Okay. Strowman did uh, throw a trash can. 
Um, I think he was looking for Roman Reigns, and I was I was running away. <laughs> it's a great moment in backstage wrestling history. The, uh, the listen, everything you said is so right. It's funny. I remember I was at, I think I was doing a, like a the cheap heat live show or something. I was yeah, because I had to be it because I was on a stage. Shout out to Pete. Yeah, I gotta get. Oh, I gotta happy give birthday. Pete a, a piece of my brain too. He kind of he kind of went in on me on cheap heat this week about really? my love for Impact. Oh. Yeah, he was he was he was, he was trying to clown me because I wanted to watch Slammiversary, and I was like, Yo, Slammiversary is gonna be pretty. Oh yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Pete. Uh, Impact was really good that week. <laughs> it's his. It was his birthday. It was funny. I was driving a U-Haul down the highway, and I turned on the Michael K show for like my monthly listen to the Michael K show, and I was like, hell yeah, I can hang out with Peter for this ride. You know, listen to him on the radio, <laughs> and of course, it was his birthday, so he took the day off. So I just listened to wow some some Mets conversation from other folks for a minute. But um, but anyway, the uh, just your luck, yeah. But um. Yeah, I was on stage with those guys and Heyman came out and someone asked him about breaking up the New Day. And he was and it was the first time I'd heard anyone in the know say it out loud. He was like, you don't understand how much money they're making. Like yeah. they're like the <laughs> amount of money they're making off merch sales is just ridiculous. And you yeah. kind of get to this. Uh, I don't want to get too much in the real world sports thing, but, but you were kind of touching on it, too. You you kind of get to this weird like player empowerment argument for the existence of the New Day, right? It's like, right, it's got to yes. be, and, and I, it's a little bit off because, you know, you talk about, you know, in, in, in pro sports, it's supposed to be winning the championships, the big thing, although I guess the tag team championships are a thing, too, in wrestling. But it's like, you know, at some point, it's okay for Kevin Durant to want to go live in the Bay Area for a couple of years. And you don't really need, you know, he's going to win titles and he's he's probably wants to make himself more famous. But it's also okay to just like want to live in a different city. It's also okay to like yeah. want to play ball with your friends. It's also okay, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different I mean it, it it's not, not it's not as linear the perception as it used to be and I feel like the knowledge that they're making that much money, the knowledge that they're that they that they've been successful for as long mm -hmm. as they have. And the track record that they put together, they changed the game by just existing as long as they have and being and having the success they did. But I feel like the calls for them to break up are sort of are sort of you know way or on the back burner now kind because they've established a path, you know. And it's yeah, like you you as up. a fan, like the the average fan can just be like, oh, but they're making lots of money. Everybody knows this now. Their merch sales are credible. Everybody knows this now, you know. Um, so anyway, Black Hulkamania, man. Black Hulkamania is a great line. If it weren't so fraught, I think I would think they should start. Maybe they should, they should just use it anyway. That's it's really I'm, great. I'll use it. I mean, you know what? That's what <laughs> the white people do to us, man. Like it's, <laughs> so we're taking we're having our own reparations. We're taking back Hulkamania and we're giving it to to the New Day. If and, they didn't you know, if they didn't angle where they introduced the white New Day as like their as like the heels, would that be great or terrible? Well, they tried. They were called uh, what were they called? The Forgotten Sons. <laughs> they were like the all, the All Right Day. <laughs> that's so terrible. That's what I mean. They, they, I said White New Day, and even and that's and yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Uh, I guess we'll never see those guys again. Poor yeah, Wesley Blake. I don't think it's the it's, it's it's Muhammad Hassan all over again, just for the all right. Yeah, that is no, you're right. That's white <laughs> Muhammad Hassan for sure. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no, I, I I agree with everything you said, and I think this is going to be it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, one of the things about Big E is that his you know sense of humor that they've sort of cultivated in the New Day. I mean, he always had a little backstage personality or whatever, but that wasn't always his thing before he was a member of the New Day. You know, certainly he's a little bit goofier now and, 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 and you know, net, net positive for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how he kind of 
modulates or doesn't and how he ends, how he looks standing next to Braun Strowman or like you said the fiend I mean that would be a weird matchup you know but it's also yeah. sort of a fantasy matchup so I guess we'll see um it's funny it's like I'm old enough to remember when people didn't think Biggie had a personality like they thought he was yeah. just this big they just thought he was Dolph Ziggler's muscle and it turns out he's got more like he's probably the most one of the most charismatic wrestlers in the world like just hilarious hilarious dude so yeah i don't think it'll be nothing for him to, to be able to flip that switch and, and be taken as a serious threat to the world no no no, no i don't either and and by the way the i mean who knows the, the nxt booking I, I don't i don't want to knock any i don't want to presume anything about anybody but they're right and, and i want to make that really clear but there is that old like line attributed to michael hayes is just like if you're black then your gimmicks that you're black right i mean and and <laughs> before you know i mean his early gimmick and a lot of this was probably him just like getting comfortable in front of the camera but there was a yeah. lot of that just like i am a physically imposing black guy like that was like kind of the gimmick you know and mm -hmm. uh and he's grown he, he's become like he he's he's said like fuck all that basically and now yeah. you're right he can he can swap back to being he can do anything. He can do absolutely anything now. And I'm excited to see what he does. Um, because he is in a world right now where we just don't have enough stars. And it's impossible to not look at him and say, yeah. like, that's a star right there. Yeah. I mean, you're down Roman. You're down a, a whole lot of guys that would be no-brainer. End of the card. I know who my segment 16 is or my segment 12 is. This guy. Right? There's not a whole lot of people right now. But... You look at it and it's like, well, and, and like with most cases, like most of the things that they do in WWE, a lot of times the answer to their problems is right under their noses. And it's like, mm -hmm. who else is more well-known and beloved and as sympathetic as a baby face than all three of those guys? Like, and they have been consistent. They have never not delivered at a big match moment. Like they've, they've had classic tag team matches. They've had classic moments. They've hosted WrestleMania. Like, they've done everything you can ask any mm -hmm. WWE performer to do. Uh, they've sold merch. They've been the Make-A-Wish guys. They've been the main eventers. They've been the talkers. They've been everything. So it's like, why not put the rocket to one of those dudes and just bring them all together? I think the rising tide lifts all ships. And, you know, when you break down talent, as far as like acts, not just, you know, individual people. What's a bigger WWE act in the new day? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Not many. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's anything to compare it to. Uh, not many. I do think you're right. And we're talking, we started off the show talking about ratings and viewing, all that kind of stuff. If you want to hang on, if you want to make sure that the, that the diehard fans are watching, they should just, th this is the right kind of move. Take somebody oh, yeah. who like everybody agrees on, everybody loves and kind of shotgun them, you know, give them that opportunity to shine because like people like you and me are going to watch, even if it's not your favorite guy, you know, we're giving yeah. somebody from the mid card who we thought that looked like where he's going to live for a long time. And we're just giving them a shot with the title or at the top of the card and not in the Dolph Ziggler way. Like just give them the belt. Let him like, yeah, let him. I mean, I guess we're in the middle. I guess that, that uh, the, the Wyatt, uh, Strowman feud's gonna keep going. So, you know, I don't think he's gonna pop in the middle of that, but maybe he will. You know, maybe he'll be right there waiting and just like can get a big win off somebody. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's with those guys right now, it's you're at a time where they didn't even have a match to announce, like, oh, he's going so like usually with these things, it's like, you know, 
a random guy in a tag team and like a multi-man match and holy shit, he won it and now he's the number one contender, right? Mm-hmm. This was like a moment. It was like not just Kofi Kingston, not just my taxi partner, but this is like a former WWE champion going up to his dude and be like, yo, it's your time. And and that alone, you know, I mean, if you pay attention to the internet or Twitter or like the, just the chatter around that made more noise than any match on SmackDown, any moment that happened yeah. from Extreme Rules. Everyone was just like, holy shit, it's Big E's time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for a lot of people, that's it, it makes all the sense in the world, man. Like my interest is immediately peaked. You know what I mean? Like now I have to watch SmackDown. Like now yeah. I have to see what the, how they're going to take it because they could have just thrown it in the middle of a multi-man match and just be like, surprise, he's the number one contender. They made sure to have like a backstage moment that was without a match, without a crowd, without anybody to establish like, this is where we're going. And it's uh, positioning is so important, more, more so than having a world championship or, or being the universal champion. Like the New Day's positioning on that show has always been raised so high. Mm-hmm. This is the only way you can take it higher. And being able to have that moment to let the crowd and the audience at home know like, hey, this is where we're going with this guy does more than any match could does more than any like oh we're just gonna name you the number one contender for like yeah. continental title or world title or whatever like the positioning of it the story of it gets people excited and reels people in and be like okay where are they gonna take this so i mean shout outs to i think uh, i mean i read a couple of things saying like daniel bryan and edge have had like a lot of you know input in a lot of the storylines lately so I mean, if you notice, like some of the small changes around some of the shows, you can see, like, okay, this is this is where they're taking it. Like, you can see the subtle nuances and changes. So, shout out to them, man. Like, I, I really like how they did that. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll, I'll I'll let it stand at that. I can't wait to see what they do with them. It's gonna be really. Yeah, it's gonna be it's, fun. It's, uh, let's roll on. We gotta get out of here soon. So let's do let's do the stock watch. By the way, our last let's stock watch, Orange Cassidy versus Keith Lee. I neglected, I think, at that point. I don't know if it was out or not, but that Keith Lee is also a, a major movie star. I finally watched the main event on Netflix this week, uh, which is <laughs> where he plays uh, what's Smooth Operator and has just yes. like a shockingly big role in the movie um, and is fantastic, of course. Uh, it, it was okay. It, it was eye-opening, eye-opening to say the least. Everybody should watch it just to watch your your friends i mean your your friends your favorite stars like play like weirdly other roles well they are your friends they're your friends yeah, in they your are. <laughs> they are i kind of i mean i love i love this kind of stuff this is like yeah like fantasy booking it's like what if i had what if i you know what if i had my own territory back in the day and all these guys yeah. came through like what would i change my favorite i was like oh oh you look like a cowboy grow that mustache in you know like that that's it's, fan- <laughs> it's a lot of fun to deal with oh anyway here's who i want to talk oh, about yeah. this week brian cage just lost, I guess, his opening title match, whatever, in, in AEW, but it doesn't matter. He's feuding with Darby <laughs> Allen now. He's still a badass. This thing where like Taz is cutting a promo and like walks to the corner camera and Brian Cage is just looming in the background is just maybe my favorite thing of wrestling over the past month. I just like it's mm-hmm. it's like such a cool, simple thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Brian Cage not too long ago. I I I I like Brian Cage a lot. But I was yeah. watching. I was he has watching. A great look. He has, he's yes. a fantastic look. Well, there you go. And talking about great looks, I was watching this, you know, carrying cross, uh, Dominic Dijakovic match, and then watching Cross and Lee square off. And there was well, for, we'll talk about this down the road. But just to put a little, mm-hmm. just to put a, put a little bug in your ear, there's part of me that wonders 
if NXT is deliberately uh, playing with their strengths or, or 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 working kind of working the working the stats by oh, yeah. by going to, by doing the like they they kind of went neck and went toe to toe with AEW trying basically both doing indie wrestling and they and AEW came out on top and now NXT is like well what do we have in our bag of tricks that they can't go toe to toe with and it's like well we have two dudes who look like they should be on Monday Night Raw already and mm-hmm. they're like twice as big as anybody on AEW and they're like jacked mm-hmm. and whatever else is that i mean is is that part of the the thought process where they're just like we're just going to hot shot like you know cross came in and you know Keith Lee was nowhere near the title picture, right? Right. Uh, they like he came in and like and attacked Champa, right? And then and 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 we thought, okay, that's going to be a fun feud. But then it's like, forget those guys, forget those little, mm-hmm. for, forget the indie guys. We're just going to yeah. do this thing. <laughs> and uh, it's, I mean, listen, it's cool. Like, like I'm, I know they're not going to write those guys off forever or whatever. But I, but it, but it was interesting seeing those two guys stare, have a stare down when. Uh, I'll just say, at, at the risk of offending everybody in the wrestling world. It was really interesting to see a stare down happen about nine inches higher than it has at any other point in NXT history. <laughs> uh, it's it's cool, but anyway, yeah, um, I, I got I got to roll with you on that, man. And uh, you, you talked uh, about Brian Cage and Cross, and um, and and I've said this in the weeks past. The reason why I really like Keith Lee as the champion is because he's kind of setting a precedent for like the rise of the uber athletic super heavyweights, right? Like. There's mm-hmm. only so many people he could work with that'll make sense. You know what I mean? Like those guys are so big and so athletic. I, I feel like there is a, a, a train of thought to your to your point about okay, we tried to out. It was like NXT and AEW was like, all right, who could do the best PWG type of show mm-hmm. on cable television, right? Like they had like it was like the East and West All Stars of like PWG, yep. right? It was like undisputed era. And 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 Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano on one side, and then you got the Young Bucks, the Elite, those guys mm-hmm. on the other side. And I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I feel like you know, as dope as an undisputed era is, and as dope as NXT is, AEW's winning that battle. Like they got the guys yeah. to go toe to toe. I don't think anybody can really see them in the tag team division. I don't think. Uh, I think a lot of the guys that they brought in, like their foundational players. Have uh, have really established themselves as you know consistently more entertaining than what's going on with the undisputed era, and until you know they eventually do their breakup angle, which is another chapter in PWG sort of wrestling. But you're right; what they don't have is people that can go toe to toe with Brian Cage. Like that looks like they could you know be main event, not main event, but you know like heavyweight wrestlers. And the reason why people got so I guess in 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 you know in, enchanted with a lot of these indie darlings that came onto NXT and AEW is because they were doing things that the heavyweights can't do. Well, now you got heavyweights that can do that, and you know it, it's it's it piques your interest, and that's one thing NXT really hasn't done in a long time. Like they haven't really you know catered to that sort of wrestling since I think like Kevin Owens was champion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and that was a minute ago. So it's like now the heavyweight division, well, I guess the, the, the main the NXT title picture is surrounded by like Dominic Dijakovic, Karrion Cross, Keith Lee. And as far as your stock watch mm-hmm. is concerned, my stock is a little bit higher in Karrion Cross because 
AEW did exactly what I thought they were going to do <laughs> when they do when every time they bring in some new a, a new guy that I should really pay attention to. Right, they did the same thing with Lance Archer. Did the same thing with Brody Lee. Like it's okay. Here's this new guy. He's getting an immediate title shot. He's the shit. He's super dangerous. Oh wait, he lost. Right, mm-hmm. and it's like there's only so many times you can do that before like I stop taking this big new shiny toys that you put into your main events. True. Seriously, right? Like they did the same thing with Jack Jake Hager as well. And but they haven't done that with Karrion Cross. They've made him look indestructible since he's gotten the building, and the interest is peaked on that, and and it, and stays on that because you know once that guy takes that first L, you know what I mean. The luster is. I mean, it's not totally off. Like you said, like they still look very imposing. Like Brian Cage and Taz are still extremely entertaining and still badass, but there's still a little bit of that, a little bit of that luster taken off of him. You know what I mean? Because he came in and took that L in the first big match I saw you in. They haven't done that with Karrion Cross yet. And I think he has, a, you know, an incredible look, an incredible entrance. It's one of a kind. It's, 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 it's something that we don't really see from a lot of NXT stars with like the big grand entrance outside of like Finn Balor's initial run. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's some dope shit. So, um, you know, they might do that better than what AEW will do with Brian Cage. I believe in Taz. I believe Taz is going to make him sound like a million bucks. The FTW title is a nice uh, touch as well. Um, I believe in Taz a lot. But I just feel like the way they're building and protecting Karrion Cross, he's going to end up a little bit better off than than Brian Cage will. I I I'm, I'm tempted to agree. I just say that, you know, I, I started thinking about, about Karrion Cross this weekend. I was like reading some Reddit threads of people talking about how like you know some arguing whether or not they like Karrion Cross's gimmick, whether or not it, it was actually like a, a, a real gimmick or just a presentation and nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. it's an interesting question. I got I started thinking about it too about how, what would happen if you swap these guys. And I know for me, like carrying Cross is more of an unknown. Uh, I just have seen Cage indie shows and kind of been obviously keeping up with his career for a while. And you know, he was a dev- he was yeah. in WWE he had a, developmental he had a nice impact too. He did, and he was in WWE developmental what like twelve years ago or something. I mean, he's he's been around. Mm-hmm. Um. And Cross has been around too, but but it really wasn't until his impact he popped up on Impact as this sort of like, you know, sort of transition to singles wrestling and stuff, and it became a, a he became a real thing. You just kept hearing his name everywhere. And if they switch places, I feel like Cross would be less of a big deal in AEW, but Brian Cage would be just as big of a deal as Cross is in NXT. I mean, I think that you could book him into the same thing in NXT, and that's why. I'm a, or, or Cage would be just as big in NXT as Cross is, and and that's why I'm I'm. I'm tempted to give Cage a little bit of the a, a little bit of a leg up here because I think that listen, mm. if it were me, if I were drafting, if I were starting a company, I would probably go carry and cross. Right. But I don't know, man. Brian, first of all, that superhero physique on Cage is just such an anomaly Not now. Many people look like him yeah. <laughs> in the world, all plus of wrestling. And uh, and you know, we've seen him wrestle. We've seen him on Impact. We've seen him on the, on the Indies. You know, we know that he can. We know that he can keep up. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think I think I said before about Cross. He just seems like he's he's got enough skills to be really elite, and he's got more than that. It seems like he's got the drive. He's got the mind to be really elite. Um, mm-hmm. He can mm-hmm. tell a story in the ring. And it's like he understands 
what kind of moves he needs to be doing, like how to put together, like how to like put together personality, a move set, a match, that whole thing. And um, I'm I'm really into him on that level. I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would pick Cross if if like I said, if I were the Booker. But man, yeah. like but the I metrics, Cage, the- man. Like I'm I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to knock Cage because I feel like sometimes I could I could say a lot of stuff that's critical at AEW because I mean you know I I, I see. I see the vision with them. So like me saying, you know, they, they've done a better job of protecting their muscle bound badass than AEW has. Isn't me shitting on AEW. It's, it's just the facts. And, you know, I want to be able to be like, yo, you bring in a dude like Brian Cage and you give him a world title shot in his first pay-per-view appearance. You better let him win. You better make him go over because like, it's mm-hmm. going to be hell trying to get that same, sort of attention and luster back on him after he takes that first loss, especially the way well, he's listen, by getting the towel thrown on and, and on him, which one, is like... One good on. way to get your heat back is... Uh, one good way, a surefire way to get your heat back is to powerbomb Darby Allen like 45 times. And by the way, I, I assume people made a big deal about this at the time. I was watching, watching it on replay, but when Ricky Starks ran to the ring and hit Darby Allen from behind... He Darby Allen bumped mm-hmm. like neck first into the top rope from outside the ring, and it was like the it looked like that was the most painful thing that happened to him in that whole beatdown, even in kayfabe. It looked really gross. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Darby Allen's just like the perfect foil for Brian Cage, and I think it, this this feud could really get them both over. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Karrion Cross and and Keith Lee will probably be mostly by virtue of Keith Lee, but I'm really into Cross too. That'll probably be like one of my most anticipated matches in a, in quite a while i, I cannot yeah, wait to I see what like, they do there well what, what makes keith lee so dope is that like yeah he can he can he can he can go with adam coles he could hang with like the mm-hmm. super light guys and make them look great but it's when you get him a really good big dude when you get him in the ring with a brock lesnar or roman reigns like those like i keep going back to those last 10 minutes of survivor series with keith lee and roman reigns yeah. and i was like this is the best 10 minutes of wrestling I've seen all year. You know what I mean? And I just want to see more of that, mm-hmm. that type of hard hitting, big fight, flying dudes, superhuman strength, like all that. Put your meat on my meat game. is what you like. That's, that's what we got to see for the future of wrestling. It's just meat on meat. Um, we got to get out of here. I got to <laughs> <laughs> go. I got to go, go take care of a baby. Uh, thank you for, again for doing this. We'll be back here next week. Uh, apologies, as always, to Johnny Moxley. We'll see you back here next time, Humanoids. Please. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. <laughs> <laughs>